Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? If you have, the best answer for doing one is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, posting, and distributing your podcast. Anchor is available to download for your Apple or Android devices, or you can go to anchor.fm. Best of all, it's 100% free and so easy to use. So what are you waiting for? If you want to start your own podcast, download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. is the Mofobo Network Podcast, bringing you the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast the best podcast to get the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to take a listen to this episode. I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. We always have a bunch of great topics to get to, and today I thought I'd do something a little bit different. Earlier this morning, actually, on October 29th, 2020, this is the time of this recording and also the day that it will be going out live. I jumped on with my good friend, Jimmy Finizzi of the Bottom Line Podcast, and I co-hosted with him on an episode of the Bottom Line Podcast, and we had on a very, very special guest. Her name is Lexi Swat, who has worked in many different aspects of sports media already. Right now, she works for Sports Radio 96, 965 FM and 850 AM, which is based in Norfolk, Virginia. It's the home of the Washington football team, Virginia Cavaliers, NASCAR, the sports junkies, plus Dan Patrick, Colin Coward, the Doug Gottlieb show, and the SWAT team. So, and that's what she's basically uh, involved in heavily. So it was a great pleasure to have her on the Bottom Line podcast. And we went into, we first basically talked about, you know, her upbringing and how she got into sports and just getting into the sports industry. Then I brought up a question about how she feels about, you know, are we progressing with regards to women's equality in sports and sports journalism and also just women's equality in the workplace as well. And she gave a tremendous answer and gave us some ideas as to how we can continue to improve moving forward. And then we also discussed, you know, what happened at the end of the 2020 World Series. And we also had to talk about the Jets. And in both of those topics, talking about the World Series and the Jets, I went on somewhat of a full-fledged rant. And I thought that the rants were, were too good for me not to want to show them here on Mofobo Network. So I want you guys to sit back relax and enjoy this great hour and change interview with Lexi Swat and also the great rants that I brought talking about the World Series and also talking about the Jets. And by the way, congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers on winning their first World Series championship in 32 years since 1988. And no, I'm not going to congratulate the Jets 
for anything. But again, congratulations to the Dodgers. But guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy this great edition of the Bottom Line podcast that we'll present here on MoFobo Network. What is going on? This is the Bottom Line podcast. I'm Jimmy Finizzi alongside Neil Villapiano. We hope you're doing well. As always, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to take a listen. We really do appreciate it. Before we get started, questions, opinions, Twitter and Instagram at Bottom Line WMCX and on Twitter at The NVP Show. Hashtag Bottom Line voice message on the Anchor app or at anchor.fm. And if you're watching on YouTube, please Leave a like and a comment down below. Helps out tremendously. And please make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you do not miss a single episode. And please make sure you subscribe on all audio listening platforms. Just include Jimmy when searching for this podcast. Neil, first of all, before we get started, to introduce our very special guest that we have, whom you can see if you're watching on YouTube. How are you doing this week? Well, I'm doing pretty well, Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, You know... Uh, this week has been kind of interesting, especially with the weather being the way that it is. So obviously when the weather is like this, it's a little bit harder to, uh, you know, find the motivation, find the energy, you know, you know, push yourself. But nonetheless, you know, continuing to put out good content. Um, I actually had an interview with uh, the TV broadcaster of the New York Islanders and Brendan Burke on Monday. What? So, and, yeah, I had a chance to talk to him for like a half hour, 45 minutes. So that was, I, hate, uh, I hate you. I yeah, hate, I hate you. So yeah, but you're a Rangers fan, so I don't know what the, I don't know why you're like, oh, I hate you. I, I, I actually like listening to him. He's tremendous. You would hate me if I interviewed Sam Rosen. You'd really hate me then. Oh, my. You'd really hate me then. But uh, yeah, no. If I did that, that day ever comes, I will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I know. That, that, I know. That's not for the air. But uh, no, you know, I'm obviously continuing to do stuff for uh, Mofobo Network, as you can see behind me, my own podcast. I'm going to put out another episode later on today. Um, you know, you know, just doing a bunch of stuff, still working with the hockey podcast network. Uh, you know, obviously got another really great episode coming up this week. Uh, but yeah. And I'm also continuing to write in my book, uh, which, uh, as of right now should be probably ready by, I would say black Friday. Beautiful. Um, you know, nice job. Book will be out, um, very soon. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, despite the weather, which is, uh, not friendly here today. <laughs> At the Jersey Shore, you know what? It, it's it's always important to find something to something productive to do. I I happen to agree with that. But anyway, Neil, I'm really really excited for this episode today. Oh, as oh, real quick question, Jimmy. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, how about you? How are you doing? What's how's your week been? Honestly, it could be better. I'm not gonna bore you with the details, but you know what? I'm I'm trying to make the most of every day and uh, just uh, trying to live out as positive as I can. But That's thank all, you for asking. You That's all you can do. Yeah. Thank you for asking, though. I appreciate that. But um, no, anyway, though, I'm really, really excited for this episode, as not only do we have a very special guest joining us, but she is also one of my old college friends. She is one of my former classmates. We used to work together at Hawk TV and WMCX at our alma mater, which is Monmouth University. And now she's doing her own thing with Sports Radio WTAR, which is based in Virginia. We are pleased to have on my good friend, Lexi Swat. Lexi, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. How have you been and how's everything going with you? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for letting me come and hang out with you guys this morning. When, of you, course. when you shot me a message, I was almost immediately like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I don't know if you can hear, I have a little bit of a, like a cough duty cold. Not really a cold, more than just allergies. Yeah. Um, when you got a schnoz like this, the sinuses, yeah, yeah. when you... <laughs> 
you know, during this time of year are, isn't fun. Um, my second, this is my second, um, fall in Hampton Roads. Um, I like how you didn't say Norfolk because when I first got here and when I was first telling people that I was moving to Norfolk, Virginia, I thought, um, I thought it was pronounced Norfolk. And then I had a girlfriend who, um, she's, there, Norfolk is home to the largest um, naval base in the world, and so there's a lot. If you know someone who has served in the Navy, they've like you. You likely know someone who has served in Norfolk, right? And uh, she grilled me about it. She was like, "What did you just say? Oh my gosh, you cannot say that. Sit down here right now." And I had to have like this little mini session of how to actually <laughs> pronounce what I was going to spend the rest, essentially the rest of my life, but here, you know what I mean? Um, but I've been pretty good. You know, I've, I've been, we've lived, I've lived here for a little over a year now. Um, I moved last August and I've been with um, Sports Radio 96.5 and um, the, the, the company that's owned that they that owns Sports Radio 96.5 St. Clair Communications at the since the start of the year, um, back in early January, and I started in their promotions department, and that was really cool because I got to bomb around and represent all. It, it the the company St. Clair Communications is owns five local radio stations, um, oh, wow. so we get to represent all five of them, and um, th- they also own um, some stations out in. Indiana and California and Texas and so they just acquired a new station in Austin, Texas. Oh, um, wow. like nice. a new a new like new music now radio format where it, it's a really cool concept where once a, a song turns a year old, once we get to that point where the station's old enough, yeah, they're gonna pretty much play like a happy birthday bit and then never play that song again. So when they say new music, they're actually playing, you know, new music. Um, so to be able to put my to, to to have a role in the whole gambit of radio has been a lot of fun. And of course, you know, my background is in sports and to be able to get to do that and help grow this sports station with all the the, the content that I'm working on has been a lot of fun. Oh, ab- absolutely. And we're, we're very happy for you. We're very happy that you more than more than agreed to come on with us and uh, deal with our nonsense for the next 45 minutes or so we really do appreciate it now think, here's the I thing though i'm not mistaken um, by the way um go ahead oh, go ahead i actually Neil. have heard of norfolk because there are two specific sports teams that i think are based in that area i think one of them is the admirals which is mm-hmm. the part of yes. the NFL, and also the tide who for a long time were the triple a affiliate of the new york mets i right. don't know what they're affiliate of now know. at this point but they that's that's what I remember from um because I think Tim Tebow might have actually played yes for them for for a little while there he did the the tides are down the street this way and the admirals are down the street that That way okay wow okay yeah because the water that way and down that way when you said the name I was like wait I've heard of like I've heard of sports teams that are based in that area so right right I remember that now um I guess the one quick question I have is, how far are you from Virginia Tech? That's the question I'm trying to figure out. It Virginia Tech, I think Blacksburg is probably three hours and change. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and what's cool with Sports Radio 96.5 is we are the station for um, UVA, and then the other uh, we have another talk station, um, okay. WNIS, that carries Virginia Tech. All so right, cool. even if they both have the same kickoff time, UVA, you can listen to us on our wave, wavelength, and then you mm-hmm. can just move the dial over to um, WNIS. 
um, which is more of like your traditional political talk radio um, okay. station. And then on Saturdays, it's Virginia Tech. And whenever, and then when basketball starts to right. Um, <laughs> right. We don't even really know if basketball is happening this year, but yeah. Eh, I actually yeah. just covered so so this is this is more of a college area than uh, a professional area. Yeah. So we have Norfolk right. State, we have Old Dominion, Hampton, um, Christopher Newport, which is a Division three school, but all of those schools haven't played obviously haven't um, been playing just yet and they've opted they've all opted for their football seasons to start in the spring but we just covered um January 2nd is when at least Norfolk State's basketball season is going to start okay. and the way that the the MEAC has um, implemented which also fun fact the MEAC front offices are here in Norfolk right down the street down Ooh. that way oh okay <laughs> and uh and they they've they've implemented that each it's big enough that there's two divisions. So each team will get 16 games with the other teams in their division. So for, you know, protocols and safety, they won't get a regular season game against each team in the, in the league, but definitely at least two in their, um, in their division. And then the tournament will start March 8th. So that's, you know, if if everything goes to plan, if there's a vaccine, um, you know, if, if the NFL and college football it runs as successfully as it it kind of has been right now, you know, right, right. Um, I see that definitely happening. Yeah, right. Oh my yeah, god. It definitely definitely hasn't been smooth sailing for any sports so far, but they, they seem to be pushing through somehow, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm ecstatic just because the Big Ten is finally back. And oh yes. And, and by the way, Neil. How about Rutgers. how about how about Rutgers getting a big win their first yes, week? Yes, Rutgers with Greg Schiano finally back in the fold, <laughs> 38 to 27 against uh, Michigan State, and now they're on FS1 this week, taking on a top 15 team in the country in Indiana, who just oh boy. So you know, I'm pretty excited, and I really wish I could be there. Obviously, I would love to be at the game, but right. I but um, you know, if everything like like she was mentioning, if everything continues to go the way that it's been going, with the way protocols have been. I, I really do think that it's possible to actually have a college basketball season, albeit it won't be the same. Then again, nothing has been the same since, you know, obviously this virus hit us. We're just taking um, what we can get at this point. Right, exactly. Ab- absolutely, yes. Because right now, at the time of this recording, the only sport that we have going for us really throughout the week usually is, is football, whether yep. it's college or the NFL. Like today, we have Thursday night football. Um, you know, we also probably have a college game, I would imagine, uh, if not, maybe tomorrow. Um, right. And Saturday and Sunday is college football. But throughout the week, no baseball anymore. World Series ended. Stanley Cup Finals ended about a month ago. Uh, NBA Finals also about a month ago. So, you know, now we're really into that point where we were a few months ago when we didn't have any sports really going on. <laughs> so, you know, anything that, yeah. anything that, you know, goes up is happening. I mean, I watch... I've watched more field hockey than I've ever watched in my entire life. And I, <laughs> I cannot get enough of field hockey because these, these, wow. women, these women are better than some hot ice hockey players I've seen. Like they have more skills on grass than these guys have on ice. So Wow. And, you know, my sister played um, field hockey and she was the one that kind of convinced me like, oh, why don't you watch field hockey? I'm like, all right, cool. There, there's so many women that just in sports in general that are just so unbelievably talented that if you actually pay attention and watch you realize just how good they actually are like oh I, absolutely like what the WNBA was the biggest example to me there are some 
ballers in the WNBA, like really good players that honestly could probably actually compete in the NBA. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. And a lot of NBA players credit their ball handling skills and knowledge and what they do to watch on WNBA players. And that's been, right. that, they've right. been crediting WNBA players for well over 10 years now about, um, right. about just how short, sheer determined they are and how right. technically talented they are because you know you watch WNBA games and some guy walks you know four steps and the ref's like oh I guess I missed that but within right. the WNBA it's all consistent like by the book work and that's yeah. it, for me it, that's what makes it fun but it's because oh, oh, yeah. I was actually so when I went to Monmouth my intention was to play field hockey <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I do I do remember you talking about that yeah, it was Monmouth was the only school that I had not gotten an offer from to play field hockey, but I wanted to go so bad that I was like, I'll walk on. And so I walked on. And then by the time it was time for me to start, um, I was already deep in the throes of Monmouth Athletics and um, uh, Hawk TV. And I knew that I was I was good to play college field hockey, but I wasn't good enough to make a career out of it. Right, so right. I was like, why don't I do what I can make a career out of? And Right. It, was, it was a tough decision, don't get me wrong, but obviously it was the right one. Yeah, you know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes we find our calling in the, in the most unexpected areas. I mean, there I, you go. I think that's there a, you go. I mean, I, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete when I was a kid and even when I was in high school. And it didn't, I didn't realize until I went to Hofstra um, University, I actually realized that I could become, you know, a sports broadcaster. So it just, it kind of works out in um in funny ways and uh you know but but that's really great that you know you found you know your calling and it's worked out you know very very well no absolutely yeah absolutely we're, we're very very happy for you and again we, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us to hear our nonsense for the next 45 minutes but anyway <laughs> so just uh, real quick here before we get into more of this fun conversation um Lexi, before we get started here, Neil and I normally have a trivia that we do every week. So his turn was last week. It's yep. my turn this week. Neil, I think I, I think I have a good one here. And in case this one is too easy, I have two. So, and Lexi, if you don't mind, I would like you to participate in this as well, Ooh, if you're prepared okay. for it. All right. All right. So this first one I have uh, pertains to uh, the World Series, actually. So here it is. Corey Seager became the ninth Dodger to win World Series MVP since Oral Hershiser in 1988. He also became the first shortstop to win the award since 2010. Who won it that year? Oh, I know this answer. I know this answer. I think all I right, know. All right, all right. Well, since, since I'm a gentleman, Neil. I'll yeah, I was going to say, first. I want to let Lexi go first. <laughs> You're so confident. I don't even, that's <laughs> over my head. Oh, no, like, this is all you. Go for it. All right. So you want me to answer it? You go for it, yeah. Uh, I believe the answer is Edgar Renteria of the San Francisco Giants. Lexi, what's your guess? Uh, <laughs> definitely wasn't. I don't even. I would say Renteria because I have, would have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I I anticipated that'd be too easy. That is correct. It was Edgar Edgar Renteria. And fun fact, he also in that series. He also had a three-run home run off of Cliff Lee that was the eventual game winner for the Giants in the 2010 World Series. So, yes, I anticipated that would be too easy. So, yes, I came prepared and have another question for you, too, right, if cool. you're ready for it. Here it is. And it's also a World Series question, by the way. What player holds the record 
for most World Series home runs? Oh, gee, you just fine. I'm not. I know this answer too, so I'm just gonna wait. Oh, do you? Do you? Oh, I do. All right. All right. Well, I do. Lexi, you want to take a guess first? <laughs> I yes, because I'm certainly not as confident. So I'm gonna throw. Oh, come on. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna say. Just to give him, because he's a local kid here, I'm going to say Brandon Lau, because he just had a really impressive uh, World Series. Um, not a postseason, but a really impressive World Series. So I know it's not correct, but I need to throw in some of our local local. You know what? Any guess is better than no guess. Neil, go ahead. <laughs> so this is most home runs in a World Series or a postseason? In a World Series. A world Series. Because mm -hmm. I think the logical choice, the logical choice, Mm -hmm. Probably be Randy or Rosarena, but I think he only had, I think he only had two in the World Series because I know he had no. Actually, I think he had three or four. I think he had yeah, he he four. he had ten all postseason, but, but Randy Rosarena is not the answer. But it's not him, right? So no. that was that was why I was as confident as I was because I thought what I originally heard was that you said postseason. I was be like, okay, in the World Series, yes. I think it might be Chase Utley. I want to say it's Chase Utley. Of the Philadelphia Phillies. That is incorrect. The oh, answer, cool. the answer, you have to go all the way back to the 60s for this guy. Mickey Mantle. He Man, played in oh, wow. 12 fall classics. Holds the, holds the oh, record for most World Series World home Series. runs with 18. 18. He also holds World Series records for most runs, 42. Runs yeah. batted in, 40. And total bases, 123. I thought Yogi Berra had the record for most runs batted in. No. But I guess Mickey Mantle broke his record, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. But well, you know, you know what? At, 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 least, at least you both gave guesses. Right, and you and he played in what, 12 World Series, you said? Yep, he played in 12. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, and he was also a switch hitter, which made him yes. be way better than most, than most hitters. But, yes, <laughs> yep, I mean, exactly. I'm a, switch hitter, so. I'm a switch hitter, you know, born and bred. So I, I kind of, you know, I always have a soft spot for switch hitters. <laughs> there you go but I yeah argue that even though like brandon lau i think had three home runs in the series and like seven rbis that was his, that was the only three hits he had the entire world series I right yeah like three for 24 i think so yeah yeah he he struggled because he i mean he was a hoss during the during the regular season right. and the postseason you know kind of happened and it didn't work out so great but you know mm. any anytime that i can throw in some local local love i'll do that <laughs> yeah no no that, that that's more than fine like i like i always say any guess is better than no guess at all so nice job I'll, I'll, first I'll, one. so you know who knows maybe we'll get more in the future <laughs> yeah it, it, you never know exactly I mean, you know if you want to you want to talk about postseason if it's going to go the way it's going to go randy rosarena is going to break every single record by the oh time oh yeah in the next five years that 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 kid is an absolute stud but before we actually get into some uh world series talk since we're fresh off of that and by the way if you did not see the last episode i did in regards to the world series recap be sure you go check that out um lexa i actually want to ask you uh kind of a personal question here to get started how did your love for sports first come about yeah I grew up playing sports in the world of sports and I think it, it stems from my parents when they were growing up uh, my mom was one of four and my dad was one of ten and my mom's parents worked all the time and my my grandma so my dad's um, my dad's mom 
was a single mom who was um, an educator. She was actually part of um, the, the stepping stones to, to help facilitate um, pretty much assisted education for kids that need a little bit more. So to implement IEPs, um, you know, having like the special education format, um, she was a huge part in the school district that I grew up in to help right. kind of form, format that. And it's such, it's, it's a huge, um, pillar in upstate New York is that people, people travel, they, they commute their children to come to the school district. And okay. a lot of it had to do with her, which was awesome, but she wasn't home a ton. And, you know, having 10 kids, you need a babysitter. But when you, when, you know, when, when money's tight, you just send them to sports camp because yeah. that's, that's just the way to do it. So <laughs> I think my parents really enjoying their childhood because they were so involved and immersed in sports was a big reason why they got my sister and I involved really early on. Um, you know, we did the, the, the little league soccers when we were little kids. And then when we started to have opinions for ourselves, um, I remember my dad, I was seven years old and my dad woke me up on a Saturday morning and he was like, do you want to go play basketball? And I was like, sure. And that was kind of, for me, at least that was how it really like spearheaded um, my passion. And then, you know, basketball was, a. we call basketball season, like we don't have a winter, we have basketball season because when I was growing up, <laughs> there you go. Gym, yeah, we didn't ski or anything because right. we were, we were playing. Um, so that was a huge part of my childhood, specifically basketball, but you know, I played field hockey as well um softball too um so i was always playing literally year round it was you know fall springs uh, i mean fall winter spring in high school and then in the summer i played all three whether it was a club or travel team or just um pickup or training with our coaches from high school um so that's pretty much where i started but the idea and, and i knew very early on that i wanted to stay involved in sports um when i grew up and I remember we did a career test when I was in middle school um, and I realized, and that was also the point where I realized that I wasn't big enough to be a starting forward in the WNBA. So I should probably reassess what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and I remember it popped up as like a sports, uh, a physical therapist and mm -hmm. math and science are not my forte, but I can talk until the sun goes down. And I, I even back then I was super creative and I really enjoyed um, like the building aspect. So when you're building projects and creating boards, right. I really liked all of that. So that was when mm -hmm. I kind of found the route of um, sports media and production and figured out that, you know, there is an outlet that you can be able to pursue what you want to do that doesn't feel like a traditional nine to five that you have to do because you have to pay bills. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Neil, this is a fact. No offense to you, because I know you are a huge basketball fan. I do not think I have met a much more bigger basketball fan than this girl right here. You can come to her with literally any basketball question. She has the answer. So oh, yeah. I'm, 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 gl I'm glad you gave your full, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you get, you kind of shared that story about how you and your dad played basketball. I think that, I think that's absolutely amazing how you guys. Oh yeah. I mean, even, so we did AAU and he was my coach um, from sixth grade until my senior year. So it was a big, oh, wow. it was definitely okay. a really big, and my sister played on that right. team too. Um, so it was a really big family affair. And nice. um, like I had some, I have an aunt who played at RPI, um, Rensselaer Polytechnic. Up, it's a D3 school up in um, New York. And she actually still has records that have yet to have been broken that are now 
30 plus years old because you know they were all super talented i should also mention that there's only one i only have one aunt who is not at least 5'10 so they're all 5'10 or taller oh wow um, so i thought like growing up like hell yeah i'm gonna be at least six foot and then i got to eighth grade and i just stopped growing at five nine and i was like I got <laughs> but uh but yeah so the, and they were they weren't it wasn't just a a necessity thing they all truly enjoyed what they did and right. my dad's side especially all 10 of them they all played something different like my uncle swam um my dad was a football player and also played tennis um i had an aunt at one point back in the 70s um, for Johnstown softball, the starting catcher, um, pitcher, and center fielder were all swats. Um, oh, they, yeah, wow. they were all on the same team. So they were, and they were all really good. And that was back in the time before Title IX, um, where there wasn't as much representation, like equal representation um, right. on the playing fields. So there are a few, there are a few ants that my dad, like seriously to this day, he'll say like, if they had the same opportunities that you had, they would have played in the league. They would have been Olympians. And I actually have another aunt, um, my aunt Marnie, who was, she did a grand slam, which means oh. um, she ran 100 I mean, she ran four 100 mile ultra, so ultra marathons where you're like mm -hmm. running for literally 100 miles at a time. Um, she did four of those in a year and she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, they were all, and they were all just really big, um, I guess, movers and shakers. And to be <laughs> part of that, you know, to be even part of that family, even though I never did anything as great as a lot of them did. Um, it's really cool. It's a lot to, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially when we all get together um to get to like listen to their stories and what they were able to experience no no that that's awesome but i i have a quick question here does that mean that everybody was a part of a swat team the swat team yeah that's what it is it's the go. swat team i don't think anyone i mean it, it's a running joke and actually when my sister and i played um we were both on the uh, varsity basketball team together we were only together for one um one year yeah but there was you know and we didn't we didn't play at the same time often but there was one time where I dished her an assist and she hit a three and my parents started like a SWAT team chant and <laughs> um and, they, and people followed through with it and I remember it was the corniest thing it was like mom dad why are you doing that but I mean, it's funny and I don't think anyone really has embraced the idea of like, yeah, we're the SWAT team. Like yeah. I have, um, when it comes to, you know, the show that I have on, um, Saturday mornings here on sports radio, 96, five, um, it's more of just like an, an inner family joke, but even, I, I got you. even my contacts, not contacts, even my, um, my friends that I have that I still keep in touch with, um, at, you know, when I was in Fort Lauderdale and when I was in Manhattan, sometimes like just to joke around, they called me SWAT team, which was fun. <laughs> I, I, I like that a lot. Now, Neil and I have always been an advocate that um, more women should be in the sports industry. If you are a woman and if you know sports, Neil and I have always said that yeah. you absolutely deserve to work in that industry. Obviously, you look at the women in sports right now, you look at the women like Beth Mowens, um, Holly Rowe, Doris Burke, the late, great Pat Summit, God rest her soul. I can go on and on and on. There's a whole laundry list of great, great women who have worked in this sports industry. For you, what does it mean for you to be a woman working in the sports industry? And what would you say to young women out there who want to be in this industry? 
I mean, I think it, for me at least, knowing what I wanted to do very early on, it means, I wouldn't say literally, but very much so everything in the sense that I've worked very hard to get where I am now. I had a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys that um, I think happens for everyone, but I think that sometimes that the peaks are a little higher and the valleys are a little deeper because, um, because you're a woman, you know what I mean? And I, Doris Burke actually um, was quoted this week saying, if I at all make the path for more women to have careers in the sports world, then that'll mean more to me than anything I've done in my career. Mm. And I think that is so huge because especially there's this narrative where you need to, it's like, this is like, there's one position open and we all have to compete for it. And if you're a woman, like, good luck. Well, that's not really the case, especially now that the world of sports is expanding. You're, you've got such a strong, like, social media presence is imperative right now yeah, right. Um, the xfl is coming back um there's a whole new um soccer team there's a whole new soccer you know explosion that's happening right now especially in la that mm. um opportunity is always going to be you know available and it's about you know not giving up and being able to take advantage of what's been given to you but at the same time knowing you know what is meant for you, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I guess absolutely. any advice that I have is, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be really hard, but everything that you're going to, that you're going to have that's fun, that you're never going to forget about, that you're going to feel very, um, very proud of yourself for the things that you're doing means so much more um, than anything that is going to be hard that, that you face. <laughs> I guess wow. um, if, if you don't mind, Jimmy, I, I do have a question. No, 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 please my, go my ahead, question Neil. To you, my question to you is simply that, do you feel that over the last couple of years, uh, because a lot of the talk, not just with, with women in sports, but just, you know, women equality and just, you know, a lot, you know, giving women as many opportunities as men, do you feel that, that that whole thing of women equality has improved over the last couple of years, just in general? Um, and if so, you know, in what ways do you think it's improved? And also, what can we still do to make it better so that women in general just have as many rights in the workplace and in careers as men do? No, I think that's a great question. Um, in, a, in a couple kind of parts there, but I think absolutely that the quality of life for women, particularly in the workplace, has gotten much better. Um, I don't think we're where we need to where we need to be because you know women still make 73 cents for every dollar mm. that a man makes. Mm, yeah. um, which I know that's a stat that you know might frustrate or and, and annoy someone, but you know the facts are the facts. Mm. And um I think we are we are now in this position where we do have more people that are listening because that was the biggest problem forever. It was like, well, essentially like, what do you want from us? And then with something with, 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 you know, the, the, the times up and the me too movements really pushing women's, you know, I, I guess ability to feel confident to, to share their stories, whether they be, you know, whether they, they be simple or traumatic, but being able to feel like they had a, a place to say what they needed to. Um, I think that's been the biggest part of what's made, um, of what's made 
you know, huge leaps and bounds when it comes to women's um, representation in the workplace or just in, you know, society as a whole. And I know that we're, that, that women aren't the only ones that are going through it right now. Like our whole country is essentially, and literally in some places still on fire because there is no, like there's at the end of the day, as much as we want to say, like there's equal representation, we still aren't there yet. And there's a lot we need to do to get there. And Mm -hmm. I think that the crowd of people that are yelling for change mm-hmm. is so much louder than the people that are saying like, we're fine where we are, you know what I mean? And just as long as mm-hmm. we just stay consistent and we just keep our head down and keep moving, that's when we'll, we'll eventually get to where we need to be in a world of, you know, everyone is truly at its core, um, mm-hmm. an equal voice. Um, and, and it's been a lot of fun to, to be able to see these, these, you know, these kids, these, these three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds holding, like holding signs in the air at, at, um, at protests and rallies. And that's really cool because now I, because I mean, at least for me, having of the 10 siblings that, uh, that, that my dad is a part of, eight of them are women. So I grew up um, with a lot of really strong, confident, successful women that I was, I mean, I've never not lived a time where, you know, you are exactly who you are and that's absolutely fine. Whatever you do, just be, just be a good one. And it doesn't matter that you're a woman, you can be just as successful. You can be in a room, you can be in a room and you're the only woman and you can handle it. But as long as you're picking up the women that are behind you or that are younger than you. So that way you're doing, you're not, you're not just getting in there. You're also putting, you're also putting, leaving the door open for other women too. Um, and that's been, now that I'm starting to find myself in a, in a, in a, in the role of, you know, someone that can have that opportunity that can provide that opportunity, um, is something that I'm really excited about because I've looked forward to that for a while, because I think a lot of it does have to do with, you know, I got to, put my piggyback on and I got to help everyone else too. And I think that's just as important as long as you're doing, you have to do, I mean, you have to do all the things just like working in sports. You have to wear a lot of hats. Mm. Um, We have to be doing those things too. We have to be growing ourselves and we have to make sure that we're talking and we're being a mentor and we're talking to our mentors um, Mm. to be able to, to get us where we need to go. Wow. I really, really like that answer. And Neil, that was, that was a great question you asked. Thank you for asking that. And, Th- thank you for answering that, Lexi. We really appreciate okay. that. So I important. I think honestly, when you when you think about it, you know, I I've met a ton of women in the sports industry since I started working in it. And what you end up realizing if you really focus and listen, because I think listening is a very important thing, is that mm. you realize that there are a lot of women out there that are just as talented as some of the men. Even watching stuff on TV and seeing it on ESPN, Fox you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, no, like, it doesn't matter. If you really listen and, and understand what they're about and what they have to say, you really start to understand that they know just as much as men do and can do the job just as well as men do. And the thing that always frustrates me is the constant thing that I hear from, from men in particular that it's, oh, she got that job because she's very good looking. Um, you know, that's uh, usually the typical answer, which is, which is really a joke. It really is at this point, because you just understand that it, it, shouldn't, oh, it shouldn't be that way, first of all. It shouldn't be that way. It, it should be that you need to evaluate people by the content of their character, not by anything else 
other than that and knowing the fact that they understand what's going on. And there are a lot of women that I, you know, I interviewed a, a woman by the name of Aaliyah Funchell a few, few months ago. And we talked and really listening to her and her story and what she's done to get to where she is. She's just an absolute go-getter with a ton of knowledge in sports, a tremendous personality, very charismatic. And, you know, she's just a very likable individual. And I think that there are a lot of women in the sports industry, in the workplace, no matter where, that have those abilities that if we just actually open our eyes for once and really evaluate, see, and listen to these women, they bring a lot to the table that can make not only the workplace better, but also just make the world a better place as a whole. Amen. Amen to that, Neil. Amen. That's why I always say we need a lot more, uh, a lot more common sense in this country, but I'm not going to go there because this is not yeah, the podcast for this, but I digress. We got a whole week to rest the world. Yeah, exactly. You might want you speak of common sense. You might want to, you might want to ask uh, Kevin Cash of the temp they raised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great transition. I mean, the rest of the world yelling at him right now saying, why? Yeah, tra- great, great transition, Neil, because yeah. we were just about to get into that. So I know, I know I gave my whole thing about the World Series recap, especially with what happened with Blake Snell. Neil, I know you're probably going to have a ton to say on your podcast, the Mofobo Network podcast, and go subscribe okay. to that, by the way, if you're not already. But Lexi, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what exactly happened. I know everybody was ripping Kevin Cash and saying, oh, you're letting, you're letting the analytics get in the way. Open your eyes for once. Blake Snell out there is absolutely dealing. He struck out nine batters in five innings. He gives up one base hit to Austin Barnes, and you're going to take him out after that. Like, what, what the heck is he doing? So I guess a couple of questions here. A, your initial reaction to when that happened, and B, about the Dodgers winning. Did Clayton Kershaw finally erase his demons, yes or no? Uh, my initial thought when that was happening was probably like everyone else, like what in tarnation is this, is Kevin Cash (laughs) doing right now? Because yes, there is a lot of analytics when it comes to, especially baseball, but sports as a whole, but you also, there, there's no way to calculate, um, human emotion and being present and in the moment. And when you are- Thank you. Yeah. And when, especially when you've, like, there's no reason, at least for me and what I've seen for anyone to believe that Snell was going to blow it. You know what I mean? He, he looked like he had the lasers on and he was ready to go and he was focused. And that's something that you can't calculate and you have to just, especially in something so that has been put on such a pillar for the history of the United States, you know what I mean? When it comes to baseball yeah. and how important it is for right. us right. and how everyone is watching and how you just kind of like become a different form. Um, I think Kevin Cash robbed Blake Snell of having that opportunity, that moment of, you know, he was great. I, I don't want to take anything away from him. Like he still had that moment of greatness. Oh, right, what right. we have seen and what would have solidified probably and likely one of the more iconic moments when you think of the World Series and um, in the history, especially with the Rays that, you know, they don't, they don't really generate a lot of money for the MLB. I mean, maybe the tide will turn now, um, now that they've made it to the World Series and now they've, they've got a, they've got a really great group of guys that look like they really enjoy spending their time with each other. They look like they're fun coworkers. Right. Um, they enjoy Yeah. They enjoy their time. 
with each other. So I'd hope a bunch of them, at least the, the good core and the chunk of them stay together and that, you know, this isn't the end of us seeing um, the Rays in the postseason and in, in, yeah. in, in a very entertaining fashion as well. And I say mm. this as a Yankee fan who thinks like, well, first of all, we're still 11 years since our last um, championship. So I'm losing my marbles over here. Don't but also, that being said, like, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather see, you know, really great players that have just kind of made a name for themselves from themselves in no time just because they've shown us right out of the gate how talented they are and then throw them together and it becomes something wonderful and I just think Kevin Cash robbed robbed not only Blake but his whole team of that opportunity um and it's funny that you teed up the my thoughts on the Dodgers winning because from the beginning I said I don't really care who wins um that'd be really cool for Tampa I mean, obviously I'm going to watch because it's, you know, one of my favorite times of the year, you know, October. Mm-hmm. And like, it would be cool if Tampa won, especially because the Yankees should have been there, weren't because they were trash when they needed to. <laughs> yeah. and well, to, put, to put it very lightly, yes. I'll say when you said, you know, you signed no, right no, 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 and said essentially the same thing, except for right. he made a little bit more than I do, so he had to be a little more formal. Um, but what I had said about the Dodgers was that would be pretty cool for Clayton Kershaw to get to finally get there. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'd say, yes, I, I, I think he actually, um, cause he hasn't been, it's not a, it's not a secret that he hasn't been great in the postseason in the past, right? especially cool. in the world series. Um, and I think he was able to be that team player that was able to contribute um, in the in a positive manner. Um, we didn't we didn't get any memes of Clayton Kershaw this year sitting in the dugout by himself, all sad. Thank um, God. So I'd say I would say yeah. I think that I I think this finally gives him that not the notoriety because he already has that, but that will solidify him to probably make you know his ballot for the Hall of Fame. It, he won't wait as long as maybe some right. other people have. Neil, please feel free to respond if you'd like. What do you want me to start with? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever direction you want to go is fine. Well, look, first of all, I felt that the Rays were going to score a lot more runs than they did in game six, especially with Randy Rosarini hitting a home run in the first inning. It kind of mm. felt like to me when he did that, it was like, okay, the Rays are locked and loaded tonight. Like, they're ready to go. They're re- like, you could see the emotion coming off of uh, a Rosarena you know, off of everybody in the, in the Rays dugout. Blake Snell already going to go out there with a lead. And right, it's infectious. Exactly, exactly. There's, there you so go. Much, there's so much emotion that goes into this because these guys are human beings, first of all. Like, that's the thing you have to remember. Blake Snell goes out there and is pitching a gem. The Dodgers are not even coming close to hitting anything half decently off of Blake Snell. You go to the sixth inning, and we were listening to – John Smoltz in particular, talking about the fact that I understand that the Rays, this is what they've done all year. They constantly go to the bullpen. This is just how they do things. But when you have a guy like this pitching as well as he is, you don't screw that up. You don't put, you don't damp the fire down. You let it burn. You let it go as far as you possibly can. He gives up a base hit to Barnes to start the sixth inning. Okay, not a problem. But what I was fearful of when he gave up that hit was that Kevin Cash was going to come out of the dugout and take him out. And that's what he did. Yep. And you saw Blake Snell's reaction. You knew, first of all, he's pissed off he gave up a leadoff hit. Second of all, he knew that most likely he didn't have any sort of, you know, lease when it comes to, you know, giving up a hit 
but still being allowed to stay out there. Like, I haven't seen a decision like that made as poorly as it was since Grady Little kept Pedro Martinez in game seven in 2003. In, I think it was 2003. When yep. he left Pedro Martinez in there way too long. This was the complete opposite. Blake Snell had 73 pitches through five innings. He could have easily gone out there and pitched all nine innings. He was on pace to do that. There was no, like, even he could have pitched even maybe eight and a third for all, you know, if you really wanted to, to go that way. But nonetheless, he takes him out, right? And that's the first thing that was, that was annoying. The second thing is that you put in your worst bullpen arm oh. in Anderson. You don't put in Fairbanks. You don't put in anyone else. You put in Anderson. Well, where, where, where was Diego Castile? That's a, one, of, one of the great questions of that game. Don't know <laughs> But Anderson comes in, and two pitches later, Mookie Betts, who had struggled the entire game, what, he had struck out, I think, twice up until that point, yep. gets a double down the line. And if it wasn't for the weird configuration of the sidewalls there at that stadium – that would have easily been an RBI double. They would have scored. But nonetheless, it's second and third, nobody out. Right then and there, you knew that the Rays were going to blow this game. And you knew Blake Snell was probably pissed off as hell, sitting in the dugout saying, why am I not still in this game? Why are we in this position? Like, really? Sure enough, wild pitch, tie game. What happens next? Seager comes up, ground ball to first. You know, G-Man Choi has the ball throwing it home, but because Mookie Betts already had a, was halfway between third and home, he was scoring no matter what. He was going to beat that throw. Yep. And once you saw them take the lead like that, the Rays had no confidence. Their energy level went from here to down here. Like, they just they went in their minds and they said, we're not winning this game. And Kevin Cash did nothing to change that momentum. He didn't get the team together and say, hey guys, forget about it. That's on me. I'm sorry. But let's just, you know, we got we got a couple more innings to go here. Let's try to, let's, you know, we, we got this. The bats of the Rays went cold as hell, including a Rosarena. Mm. They just completely shut down. And then Mookie Betts hits a home run, which gave them an extra run in the eighth inning off of Fairbanks. And you just, you knew that that game was over. And I said it on social media, and I'll say it here. I know that the Rays are not going to do this. But what Kevin Cash did was 100% a fireable offense. I 100% agree. That game, he cost them a chance to actually go and win a world championship. This is a Rays team that hadn't been to the World Series since 2008 when they had no business being in the World Series, as they proved. They got killed by a much better Philadelphia Phillies team. Then they go several years where they make the playoffs, but they're not very, they're not very competitive. Then they go back to being mediocre to bad. Then they get to this year in a 60-game season, kick absolute mofobo from the first game to the 60th game. They beat the Yankees because they were much more prepared mentally for that than the Yankees were. The Yankees just completely shot themselves in the foot. And everybody yep. on that team is, is, is liable for that. But that I've already discussed that. And I'm not getting into that. Yeah. But the Tampa Bay Rays go into this. They blew a three games to nothing lead against the Astros, still managed to win game seven. You go to the World Series, you had a crazy game four where Brett Phillips, in his first and only at bat of the entire postseason, wins the game for the Rays. You, you go to game five, you play like dog manure, and then you go into game six and you had it. 
the Dodgers had given up. They were, or, they were throwing out so many bullpen arms because they were already preparing that they had to play game seven. They were mm-hmm. already prepared for that. But Kevin Cash did the one thing he should not have done. And I like that Noah Syndergaard of the Mets tweeted out during that game. Can I we call this. the manager? <laughs> I love that. Yo, I love that. That was, that was probably the best tweet joke. I saw that evening. It was an absolute joke. So good for the Dodgers, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, thank God. It's more of a, just a relief thing. It's like when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup. It's like, okay, now we can focus on something else. It's about damn time with the talent that you have on that team, it's about damn time you got, you got it done. Because I mentioned to, to this to you, Jimmy, off the air before we started that right. this was the best chance the Dodgers had to win a world championship. Absolutely. They lost to an Astros team that, quite frankly, cheated. They yes. lost to the Red Sox team who, quite frankly, cheated because nobody could tell me that Steve Pierce was going to become the second coming of Babe Ruth. Oh, my God. And then – they lose in what the divisional round to the Cardinals or whatever. No, yep. I don't remember what they lost to, but it doesn't matter. They don't even get close to the World Series last year. They go into this year they're playing the Rays, far better than better pitching, better hitting, better fielding. They they were better than all of in every single thing except one thing. The Rays had the juju going from the start of the playoffs to that point, and that's why we were tied at two games apiece going into Game Five because. You couldn't explain logically how the Rays were able to come back in the ninth inning and win that game. You couldn't explain it other than the baseball gods did not want the Dodgers to take it three games to one lead. Well, no, was, nor could you explain how they almost blew a 3 nothing series lead to the Astros. Because the baseball gods like to toy with people's emotions. That's, <laughs> that's really what happened. Other than that, yeah. Other than that. But the and bottom that's, line is That's this. just the energy of October. There exactly. you go. There you go. Analytics. I'm sorry. There are people that like to defend it. There are people that say that it has its place. It has no place in sports. No, no. 100% no place in sports, in my opinion, because every time you forget about the, the emotionality of the game, you completely forget about it. You know why? You, you want to hear a big reason analytics is BS? Why is Aaron Judge continuously batting second in the Yankees oh lineup God. every day? Because of analytics. Because of analytics. The emotionality of it, you bat him third or fourth because he's arguably your best player. But no, but no, because analytics is so big and every nerd, no disrespect to the nerds out there, but every nerd wants to be involved in sports. They do this. They put in these stupid statistics like exit velocity. Who the hell cares? He hit the ball. It went far. There you go. There's nothing analytical about that. But the bottom line is this, you let analytics take over the emotionality of your thinking and as a result, you became a robot. You just said, oh, this is what we've been doing all year long. This is what we'll do in game six. We have to keep doing this. Like that's literally what was going on in Kevin Cash's mind. And as a result, they lost the game and they lost the World Series. So the Rays, if you want to blame somebody, blame Kevin Cash because he blew it. So there. It's true. (sighs) Well, I'm sure you'll be coming out like a house on fire on your own podcast about that, but that, uh, I have lost that, that was probably a better explanation than I gave. It's ridiculous. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. And do we really think, like, let's be honest, guys. Do we really think the Rays next year are going to be, like, winning 95 to 100 games next year? No. 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 That's my point. So the Rays had a chance. 
They had a chance to solidify themselves. And this is a team that still has the lowest attendance of any team in baseball. It, it, it doesn't help that they play in a sorry excuse for a ballpark, which should might be as torn well move down to, to Montreal. pieces. I mean, they might as well move to Montreal and become the Expo. Thank you! Because honestly, they went to the World Series in 2008. They didn't sell out in the two games. Mm-hmm. Sell out series. How does one do that? How does one do? How does one not sell out a World Series game? I mean, really? What are well, we doing? We went here? to in twenty. So, th- my sophomore year of college, we for Easter, me and my sister, my cousin, and my aunt, we all went to Tampa for the women's Final Four, and we were just trying to figure out things to do. And it happened to be opening weekend, and we were just going to go to some sports bar and watch. But we saw that the Rays were hosting, and I can't remember. I think they were hosting the Orioles that year. Okay. And um, we were like, there's no way we're going to get tickets. We got tickets for like $10. $10. Yeah. Exactly. Opening day. Ten, not, ten even, not even like opening weekend, like the first day of baseball. And they were like $10. That's my <laughs> point. Like, they, they could go to the World Series for the joke. next four years and they'll still, they still will not sell out. Yeah. I mean, the fa- you know, people were making jokes because there was no fans in the stands this year in baseball. There was no difference between that and a regular season for the Rays. No, it's exactly because the crowd noise gave the same amount of noise that they would get in a normal, in a normal season, and that's the problem. The fact you couldn't sell out a World Series game in two thousand eight is embarrassing. Is actually embarrassing in many ways, mm-hmm. and just my. Because you don't need to be a you don't need to be a fan of a, of a team to go to the World Series. That's that people don't even watch and that goes on their bucket list or they don't pay right. attention Valid point. until right. um, the postseason. So that um, for, for people to not even care enough to go or to travel, you know, yeah. because if you're a fanatic, like yeah. either three of us, like you'll drive if you can, if there's still tickets available, like I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I know I'm driving four hours to get yeah, I would. To, to get to. to I, I absolutely like, would. You know I, mean? I mean, it's like, Let's be honest. The Dodgers basically played as the home team the entire World Series. Yep. I don't recall seeing one Rays fan. I'm sure there were, but I don't recall seeing very the, many. The Rays probably fans. had like five fans in attendance. There are Dodgers fans that flew from L.A. Yep. To Texas to go to this World Series. Yep. There were fans of other teams. I saw like St. Louis Cardinals fans. Like they're not even in the they – they were barely in the playoffs to begin with. And, and their fans are there. The fact that there were no, that were barely any Tampa race fans, it proves one thing and one thing only. Baseball does not work in a state like Florida because baseball isn't that popular in a state like Florida. Also, you're playing in a dome in Florida. That doesn't make any sense no, whatsoever. Honestly, I think hockey is the second most popular sport in that state because of the fact that you at least have a team that sells out when it comes to getting to the championship round. And, and they just won the Stanley Cup. Exactly. And the Super Bowl. That's another thing I think of the, what the baseball gods did is they helped out the actual big guy upstairs because if the Rays won a World Series, I don't think it would have been as big of a celebration as the Lightning No. Was. But still, like, Florida needs all the help they can get right now taking care of, you know, the pandemic because, you know, their leadership is just like, 
everyone do what you want. The whole thing is fake. Nothing is real. It's all in yeah. And then, you know, I think another reason why a lot of a lot of Dodgers fans went to the World Series is because they were like, we got to get out of here. I've been in my apartment for the last seven months. I need to do something. Yep. So they went yeah, to look, there you go. The Lakers won the NBA championship, and they're looking at it like, oh, we get a chance to see – like. We didn't get a chance to go see them win that championship, right. but we get a chance to maybe go see the Dodgers win a World Series. In person. Exactly. Yeah. And, and ticket, you know, obviously it was at a certain capacity, and we get that, but still, people went to Texas in the middle of a pandemic to go watch this team win a World Championship. Yeah. Who wants to go to Texas anyway? Well, we have people, I mean, I ran. I'm kidding. I'm not going. I'm not going down that road again, but yeah, no, don't please don't. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But the thing is, like, going back to what I said about Tampa and like baseball, it look people who go to to go to Tampa or in Florida and live there, they live there because they're retired mostly. Yeah. Like, basically, like they're just trying to live out the rest of their time on this planet in at least a half decent country. Uh, excuse me, state wet, weather wise. They don't really care. No There you go. That's it. Really care. No property tax. Real cheap. Yeah, yep. There you it, go. It's it like even when the Yankees come to town, they don't sell out. No. I mean, this and, is and when they do, when it's a rarity, it's all Yankee fans. There's barely any Ray well, fans there. Because also, guess what? There are a lot of Yankee fans that are retired that live in Florida. That, exactly. So that's Oh, and by the way, the Yankee Spring Training site is based is in Florida. Yeah, and that that thing, it's like a party the entire time that the Yankees are in town. That that place yep. is open. When I lived yep. in Lauderdale, some friends and I tried to get um, tickets, and we, you know, we worked for CBS, so we thought it would be it wouldn't be difficult. Like we knew we were gonna have to pay, but it wouldn't be difficult. Right. And they were like, "Not a single shot. That's not happening." Right. Oh, wow. Dang it. Right, you know, but that is. It's, but seriously, and then even even with the, the the Marlins, it's it's the same situation. We went to a game, and uh, they played the Phillies. And the only reason why we went is because I had a lot of friends who are Phillies fans, and okay. there were like the entire upper deck was abysmal. There was no one there. There was a solid <laughs> six or seven sections that had zero fans, exactly. and the only other couple sections had like sprinkles here and there. You know. Yeah. Well, another, uh, you know, a problem with that is that you're in a, you're in a place like Miami, which no disrespect, not a lot of wealthy people live in Miami, mm. not a, especially where you have the ballpark, you have the ballpark in an area where it's a lot of middle to below middle-class people that are not going to huge disparity in Miami. Of for course. Sure. And they don't have the money to afford to go to a game. Yeah. And then you, uh, you add on to that, which obviously not counting this year, you add on to the fact that the Marlins for many years have been a joke and have been terrible. Why go see them? I went to the first ever game ever played in that stadium. I went. It was a spring training game against the Yankees. I really thought that it would be packed. I really did because it was a new stadium. You know, the Marlins had all these, like, really big-name guys, Jose Reyes, uh, Burley, you know, a bunch of guys. And they're playing the Yankees. I went to the upper deck, like you just mentioned, nobody's there and i'm sitting there like you built this stadium it cost you what a couple billion dollars maybe what the hell mm -hmm. took people's tax money why not um uh and you have a team that sucks and a, a stadium that most people can't afford to even get into 
so what are we doing here? Exactly. Like, that's my point as to why baseball just doesn't work in Florida because even when the Marlins won World Series in 97 and 2003, they didn't sell out. And in 97, they were playing the Indians. In 2003, they were playing the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And they didn't sell out because people down there don't care. They don't like, yeah, NBA, like basketball and football is great in that state. Tremendous. Baseball, they have great talent that comes out of Florida, but do they stay in Florida? No. Nope. They go to other places to play baseball where it's much more focused and more people go watch. So if Tampa were to win the World Series, if they had gone on to win this World Series, like like Lexi like mentioned, it wouldn't have been as big as the Lightning nope. parade. It nope. wouldn't have. Maybe nope. half of the fans of that team would have showed up. I'm going to be real. And that's just because they want to go party. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. When the Lightning won the cup and they had that parade, yeah, people wanted to go party, but there's also some diehard hockey fans that live in the state of Florida, that live in Tampa. Mm -hmm. So they were like, this is awesome. So that's really what it was. So, you know, LA wins the World Series and somebody lights a car on fire. That seems about <laughs> Oh my God. That seems classic LA. Um, if the Rays have won the World Series, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be seeing any of that. No, it'd probably be just you no. Know, the biggest thing that they would get is a higher case of coronavirus cases. Not about a, <laughs> yeah. The biggest highlight that they would have gotten. I mean, I, I don't like saying it that way. But, you have to wait till. No, 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 no. We get it. We get it. I mean, that's just that's my point. So baseball just doesn't work in Tampa, and no. even if the Rays are the best team in baseball the next three years, they're not going to sell out. Especially nope. if we get fans again, they're not going to sell out yep. because people yep. don't care about baseball down there. There will be more people at the Super Bowl with 20% capacity this year than there will be at a Rays World Series game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And okay. that's saying, and that's saying. 20% capacity, by the way. This is not like a full ass stadium. No. 20% capacity in pods. It sounds like you barely thought about this, Neil. You just yes. don't think about this. No, uh, this, was, this was completely <laughs> on the spot, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> He, Not that I have no, anything to Lexi, Lexi, honestly, he knows what he signs up for every week. Just saying. But well, anyway. You know what you sign so, up for every single week. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. You know what you sign up for. This no, was, no, I, this no, no, no I do. You asked me for my opinion. And I, give you my opinion. Well, I you get it. You asked me anyway, Now, that's my point. Anyway, so just to, just, to, just to quickly wrap things up here, let's get into a little bit of a uh, – football discussion here shall we so obviously um oh i did just get news by the way that apparently a new york giants player has tested positive for the coronavirus will, will hernandez will hernandez will i just found out who it was so, oh so he, he, is, he, he, he is he is he is isolating as we speak yeah and, and then the whole offensive line is going to be quarantined against the bucks oh, oh goodness gracious Oh, uh, here oh, we go. It's Tampa, and it's it's tampa too oh oh, oh here here oh. we freaking go all right anyway so Actually, oh, that leads Antonio me. Antonio Brown is playing too, by the way. What's that? Antonio Brown is playing too. I think. Not this week. Week nine. Oh God! Oh, we don't have to deal with that. He he, he his his suspension ends this week, but he's not eligible this week. He'll be playing week is nine. He really not? How is it end? Oh, it ends at the end of the. Spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. So we we don't we don't have to worry about Antonio Brown this week. But anyway, so yeah, we've we've already harped on how bad. The Giants and Jets are this year. I mean, it's it's inevitable. It's, it's just just the whole division I itself. My dad, because I I am a lowly Jets fan. 
and but this is more it, it I mean my grandfather was a Jets fan my dad was a Jets fan I worked okay. for the Jets for two and a half years so it was kind of I just it's wait, not going away anytime wait. soon I've got the shirts you know so I'm just gonna be a fan wait, but I was actually, talking to my dad and he was like you know what maybe the like maybe the coronavirus could help us like just someone gets it and then we just are done <laughs> yeah, like, God, that is so morbid but well, also, that hurts like, not winning anything is you know pretty sad too but, well that hurts I mean exactly. my goodness um yeah. but no so, it, it probably does help them that no fans can be in attendance well wow well, from, from that, that perspective yeah because, yeah at least at MetLife because there's I mean one less thing you have to worry about yeah. and that's Especially if you're a Giants fan too. Fans that are just sad and show up with the with the buckets on their hats. I'm not excited. <laughs> this is what I don't think for. This is what the Jets fans are hoping for. That well, I'm not hoping for that. I'm not I'm tired of it. Well, I think we need to we need to start. This is what I think. Now I'm getting upset. No, I'm just kidding. There we go. Oh boy. All right, all right. Feel like why you bring Jets fans on the podcast. This is why you bring Jets fans on because you have a lot to say. And a lot of pain. I just don't understand why we – Jordan Jenkins is the veteran player for the Jets. He got drafted in 2015. He is right. all but, I think, eight months older than I am. So how can someone who is a veteran on your team that's only been there for five years feel protected when they keep drafting the wrong people, when the, the coaching – decisions are freaking abysmal because Jordan Jenkins is the one that has said like we are not we are we as players are not being protected by our staff nobody's looking out for us nobody is nobody is taking care of us like so how are we supposed to do our job and do our job well when nobody is looking out for us that's just bad that's bad management and I just feel like they need to stop focusing on their players and getting new people in because prime example, Le'Veon Bell, we got him in. We were all excited. And what happened? Absolutely freaking nothing. And he's already doing more. He's, he's, he's giving more production to the team. And, 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 and Adam Gase didn't like him in the first place. So there you go. Joke. Exactly. So Absolute I think joke. like the, t the time is now where they need to, you know, knock it off. Sam Darnold still hasn't done enough to show us that he is a bad decision. I still think, granted, I remember back in 2018, I thought that it was going to be Josh Rosen. I'm, I'm glad that we got Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen as I'm looking back. Wow. Because I think, I think Sam Darnold has been able to, to be more of a franchise player for the team, to be able to be there for the team. Because even with absolutely no one protecting him out on the field, with an absolutely awful offensive line, he is still showing us that he is an elite quarterback. So I do not think that having Trevor Lawrence be drafted is a good idea because he just he's still going to be in his rookie in his rookie contract and they're going to draft someone else yep. for what just because he's there doesn't make any sense makes e no sense exactly exactly I don't mean to cut you guys off I, I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to cut you guys off I apologize but that is exactly the argument that I have made with Sam Donald and with Daniel Jones as well do both quarterbacks no, need up. to be better of, of, cor of course no, they need to be up. better no, stop. Enough. What? Daniel Jones sucks. What? Daniel Jones sucks and you know it. Uh, stop. He had stop. this argument. With, with an abysmal yeah, offensive line and no weapons? Yeah, they said that about Eli. Oh, my. Stop. People stop. thought that Eli was terrible. Like, this is my, like, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll, I'll okay. just say this and I'll, I'll just say this and I'll leave it alone. I promise. No, you Look, won't. Shut up. I will leave it alone after this. I promise you. Quiet. Daniel Jones, the turnovers are a problem. Yes, I will say it over and over again until I am blue in the face. They are a problem. And if they are not fixed, some changes are going to be made. I'm not denying that. No question. I am still not giving up on this kid. I'm sorry. He needs more help than what he already has. He has nothing. He has a tight end who can't catch the football. He has an abysmal offensive line. And quite frankly, he's in his second. He has a new coaching staff that he's still not used to yet. So what more do you want from the kid? I'm sorry. Can I just say this? Daniel Jones has more turnovers than Jamarcus Russell. Oh, my in two God. Years. Stop. Oh, stop. I don't want to hear anything. Stop. Stop. Jimmy. Stop. Jimmy. No, Jimmy. You just lost all credibility. Why no, would you bring him up on the no, same thing as Daniel Jones? Jimmy. Jimmy. How many times this year alone, just listen to me, how many times this year alone has Daniel Jones had the damn football in his hands with a chance to go win the game, and he single-handedly lost them the game? throwing a stupid interception, fumbling the football. On that, against the Eagles on Thursday night, this is what happened. Daniel Jones had seven seconds to throw a small two-yard pass to a wide-open Evan Ingram. And by the time he realized it, he got hit, fumbled the football, Giants lost. Okay? Like, this is my point. Daniel Jones can throw one hell of a football. He can. The problem is, is that he's mobile. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, he's mobile. That's why he tripped on the 10-yard line. Oh, my God, stop. Come on, bro. Like, this is, the, this is the problem. Now, can I go back to the Jets? Please, please, talk about the Jets. please. Let's talk about the Jets. I, I, Lexi, Lexi, I, I apologize you were to hear that, but I had to get that out there. I'm sorry. Oh, first, no. of all, first, first of all, let me explain. This book, do you see this book right here? This, this <gasps> book. I wrote this book. This is about the Jets. This is pain. It's titled Pain, Pain, Pain for a reason. This book specifically talks to you about why the Jets are the way that they are. So, so first of all, please go buy my book. I would greatly appreciate it. Yes, please, um, please. That. So let's. So we'll, we'll just we'll leave that. Uh, gonna bring up that. Gonna bring up that uh, background again. Hold on. Just, just yeah. stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing. You want to blame somebody for the Jets' misery? You blame the damn owners because they yep. don't care about winning. And I'm tired of everyone saying, oh, Christopher Johnson wants to win. He just doesn't know how to. No, no, That's a doesn't. lie. No, That's been a lie, and it will continue to be a lie. And you know what? I hate saying this, and I'm not going to be political here, but I'm going to, be, I'm going to walk a fine line. Woody Johnson, do you know who he works for right now? The President of the United States. The President of the United States. Shouldn't that tell you a lot right then and there? Oh, and then they brought up all these things that Woody Johnson apparently has been doing as the Jets owner. A little bit of that, um, a little bit of those inappropriate things. Hmm, doesn't that, doesn't that seem like a classic Jets thing to have happen? Then you go into this year and you somehow think that the Jets are going to be better than a 7-9 record last year when they played against a bunch of abysmal teams and they were the first team in NFL history to lose to two winless franchises. The Dolphins and the Bengals, yep. Season. Sam Darnold is a very talented quarterback. He can be a very good quarterback in this league. Just not with the Jets. The Jets (laughs) trade him to the Colts 
for nothing. The Colts. It's just, it just yes, the Colts need a franchise quarterback. It's not Philip Rivers, and you know that. Oh Philip Rivers is like thirty what, thirty seven. That man's gonna retire in the next two years. Fair, so that's fair, fair. Sam Darnold needs to go somewhere where he won't die. Sam Darnold, the more that he stays on the Jets, the more he will die. He's already God. dying. He, I mean. When, when was the last time a football player got diagnosed with mono? I mean, like, when was the last time that actually I mean, happened? Legit. No, legit. No, I, 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 I can't recall. Seriously. Never. It's because it never happens. It only happens to the Jets. And the Jets are what? 0-7 or 0-6? I already forgot her at this point. What are they? 0-7? I don't even know. 0-7. Oh, 0-7. Oh, my God. 0-7. And and, 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 I'm yeah. sorry. They're yeah. stirring 0-8 right in the face because they're Jimmy. playing the Chiefs, and they are not beating Kansas City. I'm Here's sorry. The, and, and Lexi, I'm really sorry, but, like, the Jets piss me off, and I'm not even a fan of them. The Jets piss me off because they get all this coverage for being the most lousy, sorry-ass excuse for a football <laughs> franchise I have ever seen in my entire life, and I'm 23 years of age. <laughs> I'm going to have a stroke by the time I'm 30 because of this team. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, here's the thing. The Jets played the Bills last week, right? And everyone thought the Jets were going to get killed, which they didn't, actually. That, what, yeah, which was a shocker. But they were up 10 nothing, 10 nothing, yes. And the Bills looked like crap. No. Absolute garbage. Yep. Why was that? Because Adam Gase decided to relinquish his play-calling duties to the offensive coordinator who I don't even know who that is, but nonetheless. Second half comes, they look like garbage again. Why? Because Adam Gase, being the offensive genius that he is, is like, no, I'm going like, to, like, we need to make a few changes here, so I'm going to do this, this, and that. They end up losing. Adam Gase is the worst coach in Jets history. He is worse than Rich Kotite. Nobody can argue wow. that. Nobody. Wow. Not a single person. You mean to tell me that the last great coach the Jets had was Rex Ryan? Is that really what we're going for? Because I mean, <laughs> Adam Gase is not even good as an offensive coordinator. The last five seasons, his, his offensive rankings, 31st, 32nd, 28th, 29th, 32nd. How is he an offensive genius? This just He's proves not. that the Jets' ownership does not care. So if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm staying the hell away from New York. Thank you. You're doing four years. Yeah, you're getting – yeah, you're doing unless, four years. Unless – Gonna be honest, if the Giants have the first overall pick, which is unlikely because let's face it, the Jets are not gonna win a game. No. But if the Giants somehow had the first first overall pick, then I would consider it. Because here's the thing: at least the Giants, to an extent, are trying to figure it out. Are trying True. to figure it out. True. They just have a terrible general manager. The Jets have a terrible coach. The Giants have a terrible manager. We both want them fired. It's probably gonna happen with one of them. More likely the Giants. Because yeah. if, if, if the Jets go 0-16, which I think is very likely, they go 0-16, and Adam Gase is still the head coach, <sighs> that will tell you everything you need to know about the Yes. Right. Everything. And Trevor Lawrence, my guy, dude, you're the best college football player in the game right now. Stay in college, play at Clemson, go win another national championship, maybe go try to win another Heisman if you don't win it this year, and just stay the hell away from New York. And pull an Eli Manning if you have to. Just say, I don't want to play for the Jets. Send me to Jacksonville or Minnesota <laughs> for all I care. But don't, J- Jacksonville could use some quarterback money. help. Not to knock Minshew, but still. All the Jets have to do. You want to simplify it? Here's what you do. You fire Adam Gase like right now in the next five seconds. You fire him. Make Greg Williams the coach. 
lose the rest of your games, and then bring in a competent person. Maybe an Eric Bieniemy. That would make sense. Mm. What Eric Bieniemy's doing with Patrick Mahomes right now. You don't mean to tell me that he can't do the same thing with Trevor Lawrence? I mean, come on here. This and, is and, and, and again, I will say, that man deserves a head coaching job in the NFL. He does. I, I, it's a crime that he hasn't gotten one yet. But the bottom line is, the bottom line of this entire thing is this. All the Jets know is pain. They've known this since 1969 when Joe Namath signed a deal with the devil to win a Super Bowl. And since that point, the Jets have never gotten back to the Super Bowl, and they are not going to get any closer because as long as the ownership continues to remain the same, it won't change. So unless a miracle comes and the ownership decides, I want to win, and actually tries, Jets fans, you're going to get played for a – I'm sorry, you're going to get played for a fool because you're going to have this false hope that's not going to mean anything. You went 7-9 last year. That's great. But you beat a bunch of piss-poor teams, including the Giants, last year, who were also terrible. Who had, I think three wins last year. But you lost to the winless Dolphins, almost twice. And you lost to the Bengals, who weren't even trying to win. They weren't even trying. And they had Jeff Driscoll as their quarterback. And <laughs> Jeff Driscoll, who I don't even think is in the league anymore. No. So the Jets uh... are the Jets. It won't change. I don't even know who they're playing this week. I don't the Chiefs. Oh, I, I, I literally said this five minutes ago. How much ago. you want to bet? How much you want to bet that Le'Veon Bell rushes for 200 yards? Oh, 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 it's going to happen. Exactly what's going to happen. They're going to tell Edward Tulare, you know what, my guy? You just sit this one out. This isn't <laughs> about you. This is about Le'Veon. We're just going to run the foot. Like, I would tell Patrick Mahomes, my guy. You're not throwing a single pass. And if you are, it's going to Le'Veon. Every play. I would tell the Jets off defensive line, it's coming right at you every single play. And there isn't a damn thing you can do to stop it. I mean, who is the best player on this Jets team right now? Who? Give me one name. Barrios? Is it Barrios? Are we, like, is that what we're going for? (laughs) Is it it Jet Flacco? Or is that, like, is that our best, like? Oh, my God. Bro. It's that bad. It's that bad. And it's just it's so terrible. Lexi, if if you want to add on to this, please, please feel free. We're we're sorry that you had to deal with this ranting for the past five minutes. (laughs) No, thank you guys for letting me hang in here for today. I really do appreciate it. (laughs) Can I I have the audio of this entire thing, by the way? Yes, you'll get it. You'll get it, trust me. No, this is going on mofobo today. (laughs) I'm too tired. No, see, I have burned out all of my energy because of this. Oh, my God. Ask me to talk about the World Series Game 6. I got mad. You bring up the Jets, which is always a no-no, Jimmy. You never bring it up when, I, when you're in my presence. Oh, my God. And this is what happens. You get this. You get this sorry excuse for a franchise. Let's see. If you just want to add something to wrap things up, please go ahead. Um, my boyfriend is a Chiefs fan because he comes from Missouri, so I've been able okay. to not be completely depressed the entire time. Hey. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Awesome. Oh my yes. god. And what what a what a great way to wrap things up. Neil catches fire. Lexi had fun listening. That's the bottom line. Brought in Kirk Cousins. Okay. Oh my god. Think about that. Oh my god. Would he have done any better with that porous line? I don't think so. Bro, he would. He would still not have a playoff win. 
Exactly like, my point. We didn't even get the playoffs. But exactly like, my point. Jimmy, real quick, what is your prediction for Sunday? For the for the Chiefs Jets yeah. game? Yes. Oh what would he, what do you think? The Chiefs are gonna blow them out the water. Like, what's the score? Give me a score. I don't know, like 40, 43 to seven. 43 wow, to seven. You actually gave the Jets points. I'm shocked. Yes. I'm shocked. I, I, it's not like they're not gonna score. They're gonna score. But they're gonna get blown out of the water. Are you kidding me? Who is Sam Darnold throwing the football to? Oh my! Fine. Do you think Frank Gore is gonna rush for like a hundred yards? <laughs> I mean, like, like how? But when we, Frank how Gore is your happen? best rusher, no disrespect, because he's going to the Hall of Fame. But when he's your best rusher, that 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 pretty much player. just sums it up. Forget rusher. He's your best player. <laughs> Frank yeah. Gore. Lexi, do you have a prediction? I think it'll be 58-3. They're going to get a field goal. Oh. I, I see no. Who is their kicker? Oh. Yeah. Who is their oh. kicker? I don't even know who their kicker is. Now. I think he's still the Australian kid. His name's escaping me right now. Because remember but when they had Sam that other Ficken? guy? Not Ficken. Oh, no, it no, is not Ficken. Ficken. Okay, not no, they Ficken. Do have, no, it is Sam Ficken. No, it wait. Is, it is Ficken. Stand by. I believe Stand it by. is Ficken. Interesting. I believe but nevertheless, I don't think we'll see anything from – their offense. I think we'll get a we'll get a we'll get a healthy field goal. Thirty-eight nothing. Thirty-eight nothing. Not yeah, that sounds about right. No, but like like that. I'm just like look. I'm sorry to like dominate the whole rant there, but it just team frustrates me. It, no, what, no, no, no need to be sorry. No need. To give me an aneurysm. <laughs> and you're not even a fan. That's the. Uh, but I live with fans of the Jets. <laughs> I wrote a book about this team, and it pissed me off. Oh my Writing God. the book angered me. That's like the only thing. The only thing that might be worse, might be worse, is being a Knicks fan. Might. We've got on our tangents about the Knicks. We don't have to go on a whole tangent Knicks about that again. Yeah. I'll have to come on another show to talk about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Lexi. Yeah. And on that, on that fiery note, that will wrap it up for this episode of the Bottom Line Podcast. If you have any thoughts on anything we discussed, but please. Do not piss off Neil anymore. Let us know on Twitter at bottom line WMCX. Can you have like a grind my well. gears segment of every episode now? Please. Just be like Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Like, you know what grinds exactly. my gears? <laughs> anyway, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Like I said, if you have any thoughts on anything we discussed, but again, do not piss off the bear. <laughs> Let us know on Twitter and Instagram at bottom line. WMCX and on Twitter at the NVP show, hashtag bottom line. Leave a voice message on Anchor, the app, or at anchor.fm. And please leave a like and a comment down below. Helps out tremendously. And please make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you do not miss a single episode. And please subscribe on all audio listening platforms. Just include Jimmy when searching for this podcast. Lexi, before we wrap things up, how can people uh, listen to you and how can people find out more about you? Yeah, so we are Sports Radio 96.5. Um, we're in a total revamp of our um, of our website. So right now you can find us at WTAR.com or you can just search Sports Radio 96.5 Hampton Roads and it should pop up. Um, we have a listen live button. We also have a Sports Radio 96.5 app that you can always listen to as well. Very, very nice. Well, hey, listen, Lexi, I'm sorry that you had to deal with ranting for the last 
God how knows how many minutes of this show, but seriously, we can't thank you enough for coming on. It was really, really amazing catching up with you, and we will definitely have you back on again in the future. Thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you very much. Of course, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you. She is Lexi Swat. You heard where you can find her. For New Villa Piano, I'm Jimmy Finizzi. This is the Bottom Line Podcast. See you in the next episode. And again, don't piss off the bear. Peace out. Have a great rest of your week. What's up, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast. I appreciate all the love and support that you guys give me. If you want to check out more of this podcast, you can like and subscribe to it on both Anchor and Spotify. Just search Mofobo, M-O-F-O-B-O Network, and you will find this podcast. We post new episodes every single Tuesday and Thursday. So if you want to get your sports fix in, make sure you like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network podcast. If you want to listen to me talk more about what's going on in the world of sports, you can like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network YouTube channel. That's right, Mofobo Network presents where just like here on the podcast, we have a topic to discuss that's going on in the world right now, and we discuss it. And sometimes it's about somebody who just passed away. We talk about their life and legacy. Sometimes it's a preview of, of something big that's going on. You know, it, whatever the case may be and whatever sport it is, we are going to be talking about it. We post new videos on that YouTube channel every single Wednesday. So Mofobo, M-O-F-O-B-O Network presents, and you can find it. Like and subscribe to that as well. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you want to stay up to date with both the podcast episodes as well as the new YouTube videos, please subscribe to the Mofobo Network Facebook page. So go on Facebook, type in M-O-F-O-B-O Network, and you can subscribe to it. And there I will post when the new podcast episodes are out and when the new YouTube videos are out. So between Tuesday and Thursday of every single week, you get sports content and just tremendous up-to-the-date news from yours truly. So please go subscribe to all of those and support me on there. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Make sure you also subscribe to the Devils State of Mind podcast, which is the New Jersey Devils hockey-based podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am the host of that podcast. And on that one, we discuss all things going on with the New Jersey Devils all things hockey, and so much more. We have great guests to come on, great topics to discuss, and everything that you need. So if you need your up-to-the-date news with your New Jersey Devils, check out the Devil State of Mind podcast because we got you covered. We post new episodes of the podcast every single Monday on anywhere you listen to podcasts. So whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind and you will find it. We have social medias for the podcast. We have a Twitter at Devil's State. We have an Instagram at Devil's State of Mind. And just like Mofobo, we have the Devil's State of Mind podcast Facebook page. On all those, you can stay up to date with the new episodes, like I mentioned before, that we post every single Monday, and there's also a link within all three of those social medias where you can go to the main website of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, where if you bookmark it, you can stay right there with all the new episodes that we post. So please go subscribe to that as well and check it out. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to learn more about the game of hockey 
and learn more about a team like the New Jersey Devils or even just any of the other team-based podcasts that we have on the Hockey Podcast Network, go check those all out. Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind, trust me, you will enjoy it. And last but certainly not least, go check out my book right now on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. It's about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan for the Jets fan. That's right. Do you want to learn about all the painful games, painful memories, painful player decisions, and everything else about the New York Jets? Please go check out that book. I promise you, you'll love it. You'll either laugh, cry, you know, get in a lot of pain, or just a little bit of everything. Please go check that book out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. So if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, please go check out my book again on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. My name is Neil Bell Piano. Thank you once again for checking out this edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. And as I always say at the end of every single episode, whether it's here on the podcast or on the YouTube channel, Mofobo Network Presents, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what hardships you might be dealing with right now in your life, just remember every day when you wake up in the morning to think positively, have a smile on your face, and kick some Mofobo. So thank you to everyone who listened today, and God bless.